Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the Yep, you can thank me for getting that song in your head this Friday morning. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. So I'm not in the dating scene because I'm married, but it doesn't mean I'm not interested in hearing how it's going, especially in the pandemic. Today where we live, we're focusing on pandemic love. Yes, this show is pegged to Valentine's Day, and romance is nice, but how do you make it work with social distancing? And if you're married, do you feel like you see a little too much of your significant other? Join our conversation today. It's first name only, so if you have a story to share, we want to hear it. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Coming up, you'll also hear why there's nothing wrong with embracing singlehood. Shani Silver, a writer and host of a single-serving podcast, will join us later. First, I want to welcome to the show on Zoom today, Demona Hoffman. She's a certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Demona, welcome to where we live. Thank you so much for having me. Also here with us on Zoom, Trevor Crow Molyneux, a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Connecticut. Hi, Trevor. Good morning. So, Demona, I'll start with you. I understand you've hosted your podcast for seven years, all about modern love. So this last year must have been an interesting evolution. Oh, it's so fun for me, though, because I love staying on the cutting edge of whatever's happening. And this year has given me a lot to have to stay on top of. I've seen a lot of cycles change from the beginning of the pandemic when people were rushing to the dating apps and were really excited about trying out virtual dates. And then over the summer, they kind of got a little tired of just digitally connecting. We were moving more into social distance dating. And now we're in a little bit of a hybrid situation, which is challenging yet interesting to navigate. I mentioned that you're a certified dating coach. So tell us what you're hearing from people now, now that it's colder and people are back in their homes and having to shelter in place, depending on what the COVID cases look like in their state. How are they handling dating? It's certainly a challenge to navigate the situation depending on where you are. And obviously the restrictions are are very different from place to place. And the results are very different. I've heard from people who met at the beginning or the middle of the pandemic who are already moving in together and are telling me that they're in the most fulfilling and deepest relationship of their lives. And I've also heard from people who feel like they're on the dating app, swiping and swiping and swiping. But, you know, there's still a lot of fear about the virus and um, confusion about how to move through the dating process when there is that really big filter that you have to figure out before you go see someone in person. 
You mentioned uh, fear, but is it also really exhausting to try virtual dating? And we know that dating before the pandemic has its ups and downs. I would say it's probably no more exhausting than before. I mean, I look at dating as a learned skill. And I think that's the that's the the big headline for anyone who's single is to not expect for it to just fall in your lap. I say, you know, unless you're you're ordering Postmates and you're expecting to meet your delivery person, the perfect person isn't just going to come up and ring your doorbell, right? So, I I like to put a process around dating and that makes it a little bit less exhausting when you can see that there's a plan. I've been hosting my podcast Dates and Mates as you said for over 7 years and I have been helping people find love online for 15. So I know that there's a system. I know it works when you do it, but you know, when you're in it, if you don't know the steps, sometimes it can feel overwhelming and exhausting. So Tessa produced today's show, and she doesn't mind that I'm sharing this, but she says that dating during the pandemic has been challenging. She's done the Zoom date. She's met up for social distance meetups at the park when it was warmer, Demona. But she says it's still not the same, and especially with masks, it's a lot harder to read cues and connect with people that you're on a date with. So I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Um we were at a an unsustainable pace before the pandemic with dating. I was seeing a lot of clients that were just swiping right from from the app right to the date, and then they would get there and find that they didn't have anything in common with the person, or they didn't um, they didn't they didn't trust them, or the person didn't even show up. <laughs> they were getting <laughs> stood up and ghosted, and so that has largely stopped. And I was looking at a stat from Hinge. The other day, they said ghosting is down 17%, um, which is no small feat <laughs> considering the pace that we were at before. But I, I think that that screening step is a really important part of the process that a lot of people have skipped. And what I have a lot of my clients do that's a game changer is to actually put a phone call in between the the swipe and the virtual date so that you can kind of screen someone and build anticipation. We don't have necessarily the in-person date to build up to. And if you're worried about giving out your phone number to someone that you don't know, there are apps that will give you a whole second number for dating. There's an app I use called Text Now. There's so many tools now to be able to navigate through the, the pandemic dating safely. You can join our conversation. We'd love to hear how you're handling dating in the pandemic. Again, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, before I, I, want, I bring in uh, Trevor to talk more about uh, couples, both short-term and long-term, I'm wondering, Damone, if you can talk about the dating apps that have become really popular in the pandemic and just a little bit more about safety when you're using these apps. Well, dating apps overall have seen a huge boost. Um, full disclosure, I do work with the OkCupid dating app, and they had one of the biggest, we call this peak dating season in the biz, from <laughs> the, the beginning of the year up through Valentine's Day. This is the biggest online dating season of the entire year, and all of the apps are up. So uh, Bumble just went public, and, and we saw that, was, that app has become very popular. Um, all of the match group, apps, which are Match and Hinge and OkCupid, everybody is is using dating apps. But, you know, I actually like to point out to my clients that 
even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and everything is happening online, the realm of online dating is larger than most people realize. So it's not just dating apps. You can meet someone through online communities. You can meet someone through hobby groups. There are so many ways to connect right now. You just have to be a little bit more creative in this current landscape. That's a good point. You're hearing Demona Hoffman, a certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Again, you can join us 888-720-9677 or share a comment on our Facebook and Twitter page at Where We Live. Uh, Trevor Crow Molyneux, again, you are a licensed marriage and family therapist. You're based in Connecticut. What was your practice like before the pandemic? And tell us about some of the couples that are coming to see you now. What are some of the issues that they're dealing with? Uh, yes, of course. Um, prior to the pandemic, everybody was just so busy and everybody's traveling for work or stressed out because they're, you know, the kids have all these activities. So all of a sudden, the things that were missing were communication and time together and, you know, quality time just to connect. Well, what happens with the pandemic is that completely flips the script and people are now really together all the time <laughs> and they don't have a chance to travel or go to work and, you know, sort of talk around the water cooler or, you know, their identities almost are changed. I have one sort of CEO client where uh, they're saying, uh, my kids are telling me I'm not the CEO of them but I don't get to be the CEO of anybody else right now. <laughs> so it's really changed all sorts of connections and relationships within the household because it's so close. Now, the couples that I'm seeing coming in, and there's some really positive stories where I have a couple who have both have very serious careers. They said, we're going to seize this opportunity to change up our relationship skills, our communication skills. We're missing each other often. And we know we're never going to have this kind of time to really focus on one another. And they really made this very intentional effort to learn how to speak to one another and, and talk about learned skills. I love that Demona was talking about this, that, that dating apps are learned skills. Well, I believe relationships are learned skills. And there's a lot of things that I can help clients with how to you know discuss their their feelings and come to their partner in a vulnerable way rather than being mad at them but again this covid experience has amplified everything we've just been in this like cracked open emotional space so if you had issues prior to covid you weren't connecting and your your spouse wasn't showing up for you in vulnerable emotional moments it's tough right now because you might be even more angry and more upset and there's maybe uh, financial stressors on the relationship as well. So that's another part. So I'm seeing couples who are really feeling that distance and not really understanding or knowing how to broach that, you know, get across that Grand Canyon, if you will. And then other couples who are like, oh my gosh, finally I get to spend the time with him or her or them um, and really enjoy this time. We can bake bread together. We can do these activities that we never had time for. So I'm seeing a little of everything, but again, that sort of theme of amplification that, mm -hmm. um, again, this cracked open, all of this has brought all of our emotionality up front. And we really are staring death. There's people we are, we know and love are dying and have died. So I think this is an opportunity, but it's also been very sad and tough for a lot mm -hmm. of people. 
I like that your comparison to this time being a pressure cooker because I'm thinking about married couples that have kids at home and there really is no break. Like before you had this routine, you get the kids ready for school, you're heading into work, but now everybody's been home and there's really no, you feel like you don't have enough time for yourself. And I'm wondering how you're helping uh, couples that, you know, that have the kids that are, that are dealing with that, feeling very, not only isolated, but just very, it's very stressful time. Oh, it's brutal. It's overwhelming. And of course, we've seen the uh, women be disproportionately affected by the child care dropping out of the workforce. So there's so many layers to this, the loss of just being able to go out and do whatever you want to. And um, yeah, I, the couples that are successful and healthy are able to lean into each other and say, you know what, today I'm feeling X, Y, or Z, or perhaps today I need a little time to myself. Maybe I need to take a long walk alone. Or the couples that are you know, able to say, hey, you know what, oh, well, let's get away. Maybe the kids are old enough. We can take a walk together or get out with the dog. So finding um, maybe rituals between the couple slash for yourself, because we all need self-care and balance, balancing that. And of course, it's really hard to have compassion when you're overwhelmed. So if, if you've taken care of yourself, you're going to have the opportunity or the, the bandwidth to be compassionate for your spouse and their struggles. So this is tough for everyone to really show up and be there and soothe and calm one another when you're upset yourself. You're hearing Trevor Crow Molyneux, a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Connecticut. Also with us, Demona Hoffman, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. As we talk about pandemic love, relationships, dating, and we want to hear from you too, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Marsha's calling in from Long Island. Hi, Marsha. Oh, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and I, I really was just listening about uh, the pressure cooker experiences that we're having now, especially with the pandemic. Uh, I'm uh, an interfaith minister, and I know the most important thing is for us to love ourselves first, and, you know, so that we can have a really meaningful relationship with other people. So uh, I've been doing a Facebook Live every Friday throughout the pandemic, the last, I don't know, nine, ten months, whatever, um, to help people, especially uh, women business owners, that's my group of people that I work with regularly, uh, because they wear so many hats. You know, they're, they're mothers, they're wives, they're, they're uh, trying to do homework with their children, run their business, and they are so, so stressed. So I'm helping them to nurture themselves, you know, to learn how to take back a moment and take a deep breath and find their, their calm in the midst of this incredible storm that we're <laughs> experiencing. Mm, those are important points. Thank you, Marsha, for calling in, and I'm glad that you're able uh, to help uh, women in your community where you're located. Uh, Demona, we just got a, a tweet from a listener uh, who writes, my partner and I welcomed our first child last summer. We've reconnected and love each other more than ever, but we miss going out. We're running out of stay-at-home date night ideas. What are some suggestions for her? Oh, I can totally relate. And my husband and I have two kids at home. So I completely get everything that Trevor said and everything that uh, this person tweeted. I have really, again, tried to be creative, whether you're single or in a couple, you have to you have to find those um, those moments to anticipate now. So I'll put a date night on the calendar weeks in advance. And we've done everything from at-home scavenger hunts to uh, at-home escape nights. I did 
not one, but two magic shows last week. And there are so many online activities that are happening. The other thing that is sort of romantic, if you can get out, maybe, you know, strap the baby in a, in a baby carrier and go for, go for a walk in the snow, go for a little star walk for 15 minutes and, and just do something outside of your normal routine and put things that you can look forward to on the calendar so you can build that anticipation that you maybe felt when you were first dating and looking forward to seeing one another again. So I've got to ask, two magic shows, Demona? Tell us more. <laughs> I, I don't even know, Lucy, why. But, um, but actually, one of the I live in Los Angeles, and one of the theaters that is here very quickly pivoted to a an online model. So my husband bought a series where theater people, he bought a whole series with them. And so one happened to be a magic show. And then I also saw the Magic for Humans performer had a family magic show. So we had one, one family date, and we had one... Uh, romantic date in the evening separately. Very nice. Trevor, how about you? What's your advice uh, to couples that are looking for some magic, except everyone's home? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. Uh, you can get, as Demona is saying, creativity is like the key here. Uh, I was I was talking to Tess earlier. I was like, you know, maybe you could do your, your um, Valentine's evening in a car, or take a little cheese and cracker uh, picnic out to a place that's beautiful, that it maybe has a view that you get to be kind of, you know, romantic in the car. It's it's a tough one. There's no question. And, and as I live in the Northeast, so it's pretty chilly out there. A star walk would be wonderful, but it's about 16 degrees. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, you know, figuring out ways that maybe you can change up your environment. I love the magic show idea. Maybe you could do a special um, sexy magic show for each other. Um, <laughs> So I, again, just thinking out of the box and yeah, we just got to do the best we can and enjoy each other and, and uh, be grateful for one another. Even if you're frustrated and overwhelmed at times, just to be able to uh, say to one another, I, I see you, I appreciate you. And I, I value the fact that we have this partnership even through this really tough time. I love this tweet from Kathy. Uh, she wrote, every day is Valentine's Day in our house. And then she tagged her husband, Jim. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, Demona, Kristen on Facebook writes, she misses being out in public and striking up a conversation. I've had experience with dating sites and have no desire to revisit. You mentioned online communities. So can you give her some more tips on that if she doesn't want to do the dating apps? Well, first, I just have to say the dating apps really are the biggest game in town. So all of these other methods that I give my clients are to offer options. And actually, one of my clients just recently, I, I put her on the dating apps. She also was working with a matchmaker. And then I was helping her with bringing down some of her her walls and being open. And she ended up walking into a store with a mask on and meeting her now boyfriend who was who was working behind the counter. So you never know. You always have to stay open. And even with the mask you brought up earlier, the mask can seems like it can actually it, it, it covers emotion. But I actually had a face reader on the Dates and Mates podcast who said that all of the expression really is in the eyes mm. and you actually can tell more because it's all con you're concentrated on looking you're concentrating on looking just in the eyes but if you are on an online community and you want to you want to look for connections i would start with with commenting on maybe something that a moderator put out or if you're i don't know in a book club or a hobby group 
start threads, start conversations, and then you can move into the DM. Once you've sort of made a connection, you can just just pop that person a DM and say, oh, I thought it was really clever. I'd loved your comment on this. You don't have to start out by pursuing them, but just let them know, hey, I'm here. I see you. Do you see me? That's Demona Hoffman, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast on Zoom with us here on Where We Live. Also, Trevor Cromwell and you is here, licensed marriage and family therapist based in Connecticut. As we talk about relationships in the pandemic, how's dating going for you? Do you feel like romance is harder to come by, whether you've been in a short term or long term relationship? We want to hear from you. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR or find us on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter at where we live. It's for the way you look at me. Oh, it's for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love. Is all that I can. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Navigating romantic relationships in the pandemic can be pretty tough. Today, where we live, we're focusing on pandemic love. Now, we know it's a high-stress situation at times when people are working from home and the kids are around a lot. Now, if you're single, dating presents interesting new challenges like the Zoom date and rules for meeting in person. If you're married, you may feel like you're spending way too much time with your spouse. We want to hear from you this hour, 888 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Demona Hoffman's here, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast, and Trevor Cromwell and you, a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Connecticut. Now, Trevor, we've been having a good time chatting, but I also know in this pandemic that intimate partner violence has spiked. What would you say to someone who, because of the situation we're in, that they may not be in a good relationship? What's some advice for them? Uh, reach out to your uh, local domestic violence crisis center. Reach, get your resources lined up. If you need a safety plan, you must get it done now. I, I definitely have a have had couples who are experiencing this. Um, don't be ashamed. Uh, use your resources. Figure it out, and it can get better. Um, and with the right help, couples can reconnect. Uh, but it takes a lot of hard work and there's trauma involved. It's something I take very, very seriously. And um, we've certainly seen, I think it's 29, 30% increase during the pandemic. So there's no question um, with all these emotions so heightened and the stress so stressed, you know, think people are just so uh, over the top, uh, upset, scared. Um, it, it's very hard for some people to connect because they really don't have this the tools, skill sets to do so in ways that are um, healthy, <clears throat> like saying I'm scared or I'm alone rather than attacking their partner. So um, I've seen some amazing work done by uh, the Center for Family Justice, for example, in Bridgeport. Um, there are many, many excellent um, groups in, around New York City, uh, Hartford, um, the, let's see, the in Greenwich, we have uh, the YWCA, supports domestic uh, violence victims. Uh, so yeah, use your resources, look around. There are excellent places and people who can advocate, advocate mm -hmm. and help you out through that. 
And thank you for mentioning those resources, Trevor. We'll be sure to tweet out some links as well at where we live. Uh, again, we're talking about dating in the pandemic. So I want to take some listener calls. Michael's calling in from Durham. Michael, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I've been socially distancing with this friend of mine for months, even years. She's in London and I'm here in Connecticut. And we sort of met on on Facebook, but we're both photographers, and we have an absolutely wonderful friendship. I'm happily married for over 50 years, and she is she's a wonderful photographer, a wonderful friend. So it's uh, and we we chat pretty much every day via keying rather than speaking. So uh, I thought that would be just an interesting you know forced socially distance arrangement, which is entirely satisfactory to both of us. Well, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Again, you can too at 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Matt's calling in for New Haven. Hi, Matt. Hi, how you doing? Doing well. What do you want to share? Um, nothing. I think that the pandemic has really grown my relationship and made me realize how much I love my fiance and the time that we've kind of been forced to spend together shows how much I actually love my relationship and I hope that other people are experiencing it because I kind of see a lot of people they try to get away from their relationship through their hobbies or through their friends and I'm kind of the complete opposite you know I've I've found that I love spending more time with just me and my fiance rather than being around you know a social gathering and stuff because we have deeper more meaningful conversations. I understand you proposed during quarantine so tell us about that. Yeah, so my girlfriend is um more low-key, not really, you know, big with the grandiose proposals and stuff like that. So due to COVID, we really couldn't have, I, I was fearful of having a photographer there, anybody involved. So we did it right at home. She came in right from work. She was totally surprised. And we had my two cats with little bow ties sitting on the couch watching. So it was like we had our own little proposal ceremony. <laughs> But it was a lot different than what I imagined it to be. You know, if there wasn't a pandemic, I might have gone a little more grandiose or, or picked a different location. But it was nice to kind of be in the same place we had been spending the majority of the pandemic, you know, where our, where our relationship really flourished. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And good luck to you and your fiancé, Matt. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You have one, too. I love that story. I have to ask Demona and Trevor from the people you've been speaking with in this pandemic. Do you feel like some relationships, as Matt Matt just mentioned, where uh, they're taking the next step maybe a little bit faster than they would have pre-pandemic? Demona, I'll start with you. I've definitely seen that. I've had clients who've gotten married in the middle of the pandemic. And I think it's also important what Matt said uh, that really resonated for me is it wasn't exactly how he imagined, but it was still beautiful. And I think there is an, an element of letting go of our expectations that we have to embrace right now because we don't know what to expect. And sometimes what it's the holding on to that idea of, well, I thought it was supposed to go this way and now I'm disappointed that adds to our dissatisfaction in the midst of everything else that we're going through. So I just think it's it's beautiful that he seized the moment and, and didn't wait just because of the pandemic, as um, it is, as Trevor said, an accelerator of whatever is going on. If it's, if it's negative, we're seeing more of that because we are in this pressure cooker. But if it's positive, we also get to see more of that too. Trevor, what about relationships moving faster these last several months? Oh, absolutely. And again, um, I think, you know, that that letting go of expectations, at Demona's point, 
um, of just being in the moment more, just enjoying really the essence of the connection, which is what this young man was just talking about, which is it, when you strip all this stuff away, the grandiosity, the, the photographers, the everything else, you actually come back to what it is that we're really doing when we connect and have that emotional bonding experience, which is so beautiful and valuable. And we kind of forget about it with, with all the bells and whistles, right? Um, so you put that together and and I have a girlfriend who kind of did the same thing. She met a guy, I think a few weeks pre-COVID, moved in and loves this guy. And it's just this incredibly strong connection. She wouldn't have expected to move in. So I do see that. And then from the um, the married couple side of it, uh, as I've said, I've got a couple couples that have really taken this opportunity to um, dig down, figure out what their triggers are, what makes them miss each other and kind of feel lonely and apart in this time and really figure out a way to come back together and speak to each other and ask that their needs to be met in a more vulnerable, soft tone. So they're feeling better and closer as well during this time. So it's, I do think it's, it's either one dramatically or the other direction of closer connection versus things can get unfortunately violent and very negative. You can join our conversation here on Where We Live, 888-720-9677. Tell us how you're making it work, whether it's a short-term or long-term relationship. We'd love to hear from you. Also, find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Demona, can we talk about now, like, say there's people that have met someone that they really like. And before the pandemic, you know, again, it's natural to spend all your time with them, right, and have lots of fun dates. But now there's uh, different rules uh, with when we think about social distancing and wanting to be be safe and healthy. Can you walk through some tips on how to still have that meaningful connection with someone as you're still learning about them? First, you have to try to slow down. For <laughs> for the last 15 years, I've been advocating for slow love and encouraging people to really space out their interactions in the beginning phase. See, see what builds in between your dates. Do you start thinking about this person all the time? Are you looking forward to your dates? That can't happen if you're seeing them every single day from day one. The other thing that I see is people really overstay their their welcome on a first date. And they think, I had such a great time. It was a three-hour date. We connected. We talked about everything. But it doesn't leave much to be discovered. So I have my clients space out their interactions, at least for that first month or so. And now with COVID before, usually that's before you meet in person. So you have something to look forward to. But if once you go through the process, you know, for many of my clients, it means self-quarantining. It means doing a COVID, a COVID test to make sure you're both, you're both COVID negative before you meet. There's a big lift to get to that point of actually meeting or inviting someone into your home or your bubble. And that once that happens, I'm finding that relationships are on hyperspeed. <laughs> That's important. Uh, that tip you gave about uh, taking it slow, but also having COVID tests, making sure that you're staying safe. How should people navigate intimacy during this time, Demona? <laughs> I don't know. That might be a question for for Trevor. <laughs> Trevor, but, would you like to weigh in? <laughs> I would love to know what Trevor thinks. Uh, well, um, again, you know, we have we have people who are together a lot, and um, the opportunity to touch each other and be connected physically is is more ample than it has been in the past. So I've heard really good stuff. However, 
if you were having issues and there wasn't a lot of physical touch in your relationship, this could make it feel even more painful because you're around each other and you're not touching. So um, again, COVID has brought like amplified pretty much everything, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate is the couples that come in and say, look, we see that we're here. We have what would be defined as a sexless marriage. For example, I think that's having sex less than like four to six times a year. We would, we would really like to change that up. So how do we start? And, uh, and again, we have an opportunity. We have more time on our hands right now to really focus on ourselves and our relationships. So that's what I'm seeing are people really genuinely curious and interested in how to reconnect and be able to, and of course the best thing for all of us and all of the pandemic is physical touch because it creates oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, literally our hug drug personal, um, you know, uppers when we touch each other. <laughs> so, so the more this goes on, the more fearful we are, the more important it is to be able to touch each other and to support that and to be able to say, "Hun, I need a hug right now. I need you to help me calm down. Uh, Demona, when you mentioned uh, taking COVID tests and making sure that people are, are being safe, it's also important that people are having honest conversations about this, right? Oh, like, I think I'm fine. But when you think about the people you're around and if you've been exposed and making sure that you're making the right decisions when you're dating. Mm, yes, that's this has been a big question for my clients. And what I I have started doing in the midst of the pandemic is having them literally write down their COVID dating safety plan. So write what you would be comfortable with. Would you would you go on a social distance date with this person? At what point would you feel comfortable meeting in indoors with them? And when you have it written down, it really commits it to, it makes you commit to it and it makes you align your actions with it. It's very easy to get caught up in the moment and that, you know, I'm sure it will be fine. He's probably fine. It is can be really dangerous in this current climate, but it also helps you avoid the awkward conversations, the awkward situations that might arise. Like I remember in the fall, I had a client who was going out for a dinner date. And when they got to the hostess stand, the, the hostess asked, would you like to sit inside or outside? And she was like, of course, outside. And her date went, really? And it really became a point of contention, which if she had dealt with it, maybe on the phone or in her virtual dates beforehand, and they set up what they were comfortable with, she wouldn't have had to face that awkward situation in the moment. I have to ask, uh, when we were talking about uh, relationships, uh, Trevor, and you talked about you know, some people that are uh, dealing with um, sexless relationships, we're also hearing the flip side about all about pandemic babies. I mean, what are you mm -hmm. hearing from your clients? Is this really a boon? <laughs> yes. And this is a kind of a surprise because a lot of uh, experts were expecting a baby bust because of, you know, financial difficulties and whatnot. And no, my stepdaughter is going to have a baby in July. So um, couples are together. Uh, they're looking at this as a fine opportunity to have more children. Uh, they're at home. They're together. They're, you know, it, for a, a, one segment of society, I know that it's been very tough financially for another group because people are not being able to spend money on restaurants and travel and Broadway or whatever it is they do. 
So there are a, a subset of Americans that have more cash. They're in, in better shape because they can't spend it. So that group is saying, hey, you know what? I, we're kind of in this good position financially. Why not have another child? And I think it's kind of cool. I think we're going to come out of this like the roaring 20s. There's just going to be more more babies. And and of course, in my mind, what's better for hope and renewal than a new a new baby, right? And I think coming out of this, we need a lot of hope and renewal. Until they see that upcoming daycare bill. Reality check there, <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> I want to thank Trevor Cromo and you for being here with us here on Where We Live. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Connecticut. Trevor, thanks so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. Demona Hoffman's also with us, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. She's going to stick with us as we talk about the importance of also embracing singlehood right after the break. And we'll continue to take your calls, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. With me on Zoom, Demona Hoffman, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Demona, this show is pegged to Valentine's Day, but it's important. I, I liked how in one of your podcast episodes, you talked about this time also, you know, sending cards to your friends and your family, appreciating all the people in your lives uh, that you love. It's an opportunity to celebrate love in many different ways, especially during the pandemic. As we've been separated, we might not have we, we may not have seen the people that we love as much as we'd like to. And it's sort of a reminder to take that time to acknowledge everyone who makes your heart feel full right now, as corny as that might sound. But honestly, I spent before I met my husband, I was such a cynic about love and Valentine's Day. Um, I did not always have romantic love. And that was something that I did to really lift me up was to connect with friends and family. And people do dread Valentine's Day at some point in their lives because you're made to feel like if you're not in a relationship, that it amplifies your feelings of being alone. Uh, my next guest has embraced singlehood and has advice for people who are tired of dating. Uh, Shani Silver joins us now on Zoom. She's a writer and hosts a single serving podcast. Hi, Shani. Hi, thank you for having me. So tell us about uh, your singlehood and how it has evolved over the years, the, the feelings that you've had about maybe not being in a relationship. Sure. Yeah. So I spent about a decade on all of the apps. And when I first started, they were still websites. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. I didn't have any success with it whatsoever. And it was just leading to a lot of feelings of low self-worth. And uh, there were a lot of sort of negative narratives about singlehood that were playing over and over in my head. And I was realizing that those were the only narratives that had ever been told to me, that I had ever told myself. And I, I wanted to feel better about my singlehood. I wanted to find out if there was a way to stop being miserably single that didn't involve finding a partner first. And I found that. And I, since you know, coming to a place where I could change my mindset around being single. And I want to say a huge thank you to Demona because she brought up the point of learned skills. 
learning to be comfortably and happily single while still at the same time genuinely loving the concept of romantic love and looking forward to your next relationship, that's entirely possible. Um, you learn it over time like anything else. So that's what I did. And, and having found a way to uh, learn to be genuinely happy, happy single, but at the same time, look forward to my next relationship is something that I want to share with other people. You talked about the importance of changing the narrative. So, you know, there's so much uh, emphasis on romance and, you know, watching romantic movies. There's The Bachelor, which is could be a guilty pleasure for a lot of our listeners who watch. But that can also reinforce these negative stereotypes about being single, Shani. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, the, the first thing to do if you're looking to feel better about your own singlehood is to ask yourself, um, is it a bad thing? Because I think when we really ask ourselves what's so bad about being single, a lot of the negative messages are societal. They're coming from outside of ourselves. And, um, you know, really looking at our single time, which is just as valuable and potentially amazing as our relationship time, um, that's, that's time well spent. Because I think if you look around at, you know, all the freedoms afforded to you and all the opportunity to sort of follow your own curiosities and passions to, you know, explore self-discovery and self-growth and certainly self-care, um, it's a it's a really full and rich and valid time. And I don't think that we see a lot of messages about the validity of singlehood or the value of singlehood coming from societal narratives like The Bachelor and, and mm -hmm. things like that, that sort of... Um, you know, I tell, I tell people that if you Google products or services for single people, all that's going to show up is dating apps or dating mm -hmm. shows or, you know, things pertaining to dating. And that's just one aspect of single life, but it's the one that gets the lion's share of the attention. There's so much fullness in single life. We care about so many things, not just dating. And so I like to bring in uh, a little bit more fullness into the discussion of being single. And I think when you more evenly distribute your attention as a single person, that can create a lot of lift in your emotions and it can create a lot more self-worth when you sort of look at the fullness of all of single life as opposed to just zeroing in on dating so intently. Uh, one of my show producers, Carmen, shared that she enjoys being single in the pandemic because she's read so many books and is learning a new language. And so I think that's an interesting um, peg to what you just uh, shared with us, Shani. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Following your curiosity is such a luxury. I love the idea of learning a new language. I feel like I've exhausted my Duolingo abilities with French at this point. But there are, <laughs> I mean, and I also have a stack of 20 books on my coffee table that are just beckoning me to read them. <laughs> but there are, um, there are so many wonderful things about our time alone. And my concern uh, is that if all we focus on while we're single is dating, we're ignoring all the positive parts about our singlehood. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to you know, not be able to fully appreciate singlehood until we're partnered. So can you talk about singlehood in, in the sense of, you know, we can have relationships with people without them being intimate, but in the pandemic, it's heightened it for all of us that there are moments when we feel isolated. So how did you navigate that? 
Oh, for sure. And you know what? I won't say that it's not difficult. It this was 2020 was an extremely difficult year for everyone and for singles. Um, I believe Trevor was talking about the uh, the importance of physical touch and the hug drug, and we haven't had that in a very very long time, uh, which is why I highlight the importance of you know finding fullness in your life and pursuing passions and curiosities and self growth. Um, but it is it can be a really scary time. Um, I mean, being single at any point in time, putting yourself out there and uh, even exploring the idea of dating can be really, really nerve wracking sometimes. But um, the pandemic, especially, I tried to flip the thought of it in my mind instead of looking at it as, you know, I've heard it referred to as a lost year in terms of dating, things like that. Um, I, I really tried to look at it as, okay, what can I do this year? And, you know, sort of the abundance messaging of a year of isolation. What can I do? What can I bring into my life this year in a safe way? Um, Because personally, I haven't found uh, dating to be a safe activity during COVID. I just don't feel confident enough in, um, you know, it's, it's wild and it's weird and we don't know how to navigate a pandemic necessarily. I certainly haven't lived through one in my lifetime until this. So, um, if uh, if there isn't a, a level of, of dating comfort that you can achieve, it's okay to not date. Um, I think it's really important to look at singlehood, both in a positive light, but also with a lack of urgency. If singlehood isn't a bad thing, and if it isn't a problem to be fixed by finding someone, then you can sort of release the pressure valve on dating and you know, relax a little bit into your your solo time and and appreciate it for everything you can do instead of everything that you can't. And that's that certainly brought me comfort during a pandemic year. You're hearing Shani Silver. She's a writer and host of a single serving podcast here on Where We Live. Uh, Shani, you talk about the, the pressure valve. I think sometimes we get that from family and well-intentioned friends. Maybe they don't realize the guilt they're putting on or sort of making us feel bad about if we're single or if a relationship hasn't worked. So how did you work through that? You know, I think it was important for me to acknowledge that nobody else is living my life and my singlehood doesn't actually affect anyone else. And if I see my singlehood as a positive time in my life to enjoy and to take from it everything that I can, because I won't always be single, if I can see it in a positive light, I have found that 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 has had a positive impact on those in my life. It certainly doesn't hurt that I have a podcast on the topic, so I think they got the message. But (laughs) in general, um, if you can work on your own feelings about your own singlehood, I think that can, you know, sort of radiate through your strongest relationships and they can see that you don't view it as a bad thing. So maybe they don't have to either. Coming up is Valentine's Day, but for people who are single, Shaney, it's good to embrace maybe Galentine's Day or just, it's just another day. You know what? I actually love Valentine's Day. I always have. I've received a Valentine from my mother every year of my life. I don't have negative associations with Valentine's Day. And I want to hang on to that. I want to hang on to that positivity. I want to hang on to the appreciation for romantic love. Even if it's not something that's in my life right now, I can still think it's a beautiful thing. And in terms of celebrating Valentine's Day, if you want to, as a single person, What a great day to do whatever you want. I am a huge proponent in the single space for advanced planning. 
if you know of a day like Valentine's Day or something like a birthday, anything that might challenge you emotionally coming up, I'm a huge fan of planning in advance. Think about what would make you happy that day. What are your favorite things to do, to read, maybe a favorite movie to watch? I personally have my favorite music on all day, just sort of in the background. Um, maybe you want to cook something. Maybe you want to plan you know, a special Zoom with friends. Plan in advance to supply your day with all of the things that make you happy. And it can kind of um, reassociate the day instead of negative and what you don't have, it can be another opportunity to appreciate everything that you do. I love that uh, your mom sends you a Valentine every week, uh, every year. I remember sending my mother a Valentine's card as well. Shani Silver, you gave us some uh, great suggestions and changing mindset. It's important to hear this. You're a writer and host of a single serving podcast. Thank you so much, Shani, for your time today. Thank you. Demona Hoffman, you're still with us, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Any closing remarks for people, uh, whether it's uh, dating or remaining single, just uh, how to navigate the next few months? We're going to still be in this pandemic for a bit. Yeah, for a little bit. I loved everything <laughs> that Shaney said. And I, I'm really on a mission to reduce single shame. There, There is this mm -hmm. the shame that we carry around from seeing so many rom-coms and reading all these fairy tales when we were kids and, and having this false idea of how it's supposed to unfold. So I second everything that Shaney said. And I also think it's important this weekend, especially to focus on your self-care. And a lot of times people don't really know what, like, what is self-care? What does that mean? And I, I actually had this conversation with my coaching group because I had someone that was really, is really struggling right now. And I gave her these three clear tips that she can do. One, focus on your negative self-talk, the way that that you are reinforcing these societal beliefs about single shame or about what you should be doing in dating or who you should be with or how it should feel to go through the pandemic right now. You have to rewrite those, those thoughts and replace them with something more positive. Number two, get in community. I've said this before, Shaney said this as well. Be with people who lift you up and make you feel good. And number three, do some sort of self-care ritual. Shani mentioned that she's playing music that she loves. Music is a big mood shift, and that can really impact the way that you feel. And for the, the skin hunger, that lack of touch, some of my clients even recommended um, to this person to do foam rolling, um, use a weighted blanket, something else that gives you the sensory input and that lifts your spirits and makes you makes you really feel comfortable in your own skin. Demona Hoffman, thank you so much for your time today. Certified dating coach, host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Today's show produced by Tess Terrible. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We hope you have a great weekend.